Peter Williams from One O'Clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. This is Reality Check Radio on a Monday afternoon. Now to a story of disappointment and rejection, which has turned into one of success and a case of you cannot stop a determined young woman from striving for her goal. With me from the Netherlands now is New Zealand ice skater Melissa Laby. And how she finished up in the Netherlands is a story in itself, a story of how New Zealand policy, New Zealand government policy, forced a talented Kiwi to leave her country and probably now never represent her country in her chosen sport. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us from the Netherlands. Firstly, just tell me exactly where in Holland you are. I am in a little place called uh, Sertogenbos. It's more commonly known as Denbosch, though, by the locals, because the name is quite long. <laughs> it, indeed, yes. It's sort of in the in the south of the country. I know that Holland's not a particularly big place, but uh, those of us who have been there will have uh, heard of uh, Zittekenbosch, uh, I'm sure. Now, a little background. You're originally in New Zealand. You're from Christchurch, aren't you? Yeah, that's correct. I was born in Christchurch. And where did you, um, I moved where, did you, where did you start ice skating? Um, I started ice skating uh, in at Alpine Ice in Christchurch when I was about, I think, seven years old. My nana took me to a public session, and funnily enough, I actually hated it. Um, but I decided that I didn't want to be bad at the sport, so that's when I started skating and learning how to do all the cool tricks that I saw on TV. <laughs> so what inspired you to become a top-level ice skater? Was it watching things like the Winter Olympics? Yeah, I was watching the Winter Olympics. And also there's a movie, um, I think a lot of ice skaters will be familiar with this one. It's called Ice Princess. Um, and yeah, I absolutely loved that as a child. And I think my passion for not wanting to be bad at something and the Winter Olympics and that movie all came together to create this crazy dream of mine. And what was the dream of yours, to go to the Winter Olympics yourself as a, as a figure skater for New Zealand? Um, I don't know if the Winter Olympics was hugely my, my goal. I mean, it would have been lovely, but I think it was just to um, build my skill in a, in a sport. And I found a love of synchro, which is a discipline, the synchronized ice skating. It's a discipline of figure skating. So it was more um, to excel in that side of things. Unfortunately, synchronized ice skating isn't an Olympic sport. So it kind of ruled out that Olympic dream, but now there is more talk of it becoming an Olympic sport. So that dream has opened up again in recent years. Um, but as a kid, it was just to, you know, be, be good at it, be good at something that I'd put my mind to, I guess. Okay, explain to me then what synchronized skating is. Synchronized figure skating is one presumes it's like synchronized swimming in that it's a team. How many in the team, and what are the conditions of uh, of a good synchro team sure yeah it is a little bit like synchronized swimming actually and um, that's how i describe it to people because it's not a very well-known sport um so you have 16 skaters on the ice at one time a team generally consists of 20 skaters so four um, reserve skaters and then 16 in the team that skate the programs um and it's composed of multiple different elements so the um, I, ISU, which is the ice skating union, um, they put out rules every year for what these uh, teams are supposed to perform, different elements such as lifts, 
pair element um, moves. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different elements that you've got to perform. Um, what makes a good synchro team is uh, unison, being able to dare to try more difficult elements as well. We watch countries like Finland trying absolutely crazy things with with flip entries into into lifts and really pushing the boundaries. So I guess what makes a good team is a team that dares to to push the boundaries of what we know at the moment and continue to build on programs, if that makes sense. Indeed it does. So when you were in Christchurch, did you have 19 other colleagues or 15 other colleagues to make up a 16-strong team? Or was the the lack of colleagues the reason you shifted north? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, we didn't have twenty skaters, so in the the level that I competed in in Christchurch was I think it was called Open at the time, but it's now called Mixed Age. Um, so there are different levels of of the synchronized discipline, um, and yeah, we didn't have a senior team in New Zealand at the time. So senior is the level I'm currently competing in, and the top level of synchronized skating that you can do. Um, but fortunately for the the timing and the team in the South Island at the time, um, open slash mixed age, you didn't need to have 16 skaters. I can't remember exactly how many skaters we had at the time, um, but I, I know we were definitely struggling to get, like we, we wanted 16 and we were definitely struggling to get 16. So it's always been a, a sport that doesn't have a huge amount of people in it. Um, the reasoning I moved to Auckland was not actually for skating initially. Um, I was following a boy, funnily enough, um, but I fell into skating because I was still loving it so much and thought that I could uh, skate with this team in Christchurch. But it didn't happen that way because skating in Auckland and skating in Christchurch with the team doesn't really work because you have to be present. So I decided to join this Auckland team. Um, and they actually had a few more skaters than we did in the South Island. So that was quite cool to skate with a bigger team. Right, so what kind of competition did you take part in? What was the name of the, the team for a start and, and uh, how successful were you when you competed? The Christchurch team, do you mean? No, the one that you joined in Auckland. Yeah, um, the name of the team uh, is Black Ice. They, they're still together. Um, and I skated with them from 2017 through to... I think it was 2017. Yeah, 2017 through to um, 2021, I guess I could say, was the end. Um, we were very successful at the Australian National Championships in 2019 where we took first place in the mixed age category, which was at the time the highlight of my skating career. And it was really cool to see a team that we'd, you know, we've been working towards a goal for so long and that first place was actually exceeding what we were aiming for. So it was a euphoric moment in my skating career for sure. But about this time, I understand, you were diagnosed with a heart condition, weren't you? Now, I think the the abbreviation for that condition is POTS, P-O-T-S. Uh, that must have come as quite a yes. shock to an athlete, an elite athlete, a high-performing athlete, who I imagine was very, very fit how did you discover this heart condition? Yeah, I think actually in 2019 at that competition was where it first showed signs of, of being present. Um, I remember walking around a, a market in Melbourne with my with my best friend and I was so dizzy. I had to sit down. I couldn't even walk and I'd been sleeping 
straight after the competition, I'd been just asleep for, for days to the point that my friend was going and exploring Melbourne by herself and I just couldn't get out of bed. Um, so that was, that was crazy and they couldn't figure out what was going on and I was so dizzy and lightheaded. Once I got back to New Zealand after that, I went to the doctor again and they still couldn't tell me what was going on. Um, yeah, after that, I think it kind of died down a little bit. Um, and I was just really tired all the time, but I didn't have too many of these fainting, dizzy episodes, which was great. Um, and then not too soon after we went into a lockdown and I was quite fit during that first lockdown. Um, but I had the opportunity to sleep a lot and I did notice that I was quite tired all the time. Um, and I think at the end of 2020 was when I had a diagnosis of this um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, or as you said, POTS. And yeah, I was fainting multiple times a day um, and no one could figure out why. I ended up in hospital, um, hooked up to a bunch of heart monitoring machines and had a whole heap of scans and I actually got sent away the first time. Um, the, well, the first time I went into hospital, I got sent away and they just said, they're not sure what's going on. It could be hormonal. I knew that that wasn't the case because there was no reason why I should be fainting so often. Um, I ended up going back into the hospital and then I had a, a whole lot of other tests as well. And a nurse actually came in and mentioned this postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome to me. And I hopped on Google, as you do when you get told something like that. And all of the symptoms were matching what she had said to me. So it was a little bit shocking, but quite nice to have some sort of diagnosis as such that could be a possibility. Um, then I was discharged from the hospital, being told that I could have a possibility of, pos of POTS, um, but they needed to do a bunch of different tests to determine if it was POTS or not, because it's not an easily diagnosed condition. I think I was quite shocked when I heard that it could be this because I have always been quite a fit person and hearing that you've potentially got something wrong with your heart is quite shocking and quite hard to deal with. And when I first left the hospital, I couldn't walk a lot. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do anything to the level that I was doing when I was skating. So did you see a rambling, did, did you see a cardiologist uh, who confirmed this this uh, diagnosis? Yeah, I did. I had to wait quite a long time because I went through the public system initially, and they told me that I couldn't see anyone for I think it was six months at the time. And because I didn't know exactly what was going on, and if I and I didn't know that it was POTS, so I didn't know if it was dangerous or not to me, and I was still fainting all the time. So I ended up going private, and I saw a cardiologist who hooked me up to a um, – I can't remember the name of it. It was a halter monitor, I believe. So it was a monitor that I wore for 48 hours, um, like constantly on me. So it was a bunch of wires and it would record my heart rate and what my um, heart was doing when I stood up. And I had to write in a little diary of what I was doing at the time. Most of the time it was getting out of bed to go to the bathroom and my heart rate would spike to like 160 beats per minute. Um, sometimes I would end up on the floor. So um, yeah, it was really quite scary. And I did get the confirmation of the diagnosis after they looked at this monitor and saw how quickly my heart rate spiked. And could you keep on skating during that time? I mean, when you've got a, a heart rate 
at that level, uh, I imagine that's the kind of level your heart would be at during competition when you're actually skating. But when that's essentially a, a resting heart rate, what sort of level did it get to when you were skating? Yeah, I had an Apple Watch, um, and this was prior to my fainting episodes, but it would record all of my heart rates, and it would get up to over 200 beats per minute. I think the highest that was recorded was 215 beats per minute, um, which is way too high for what I was doing and my age. Um, Once I had ended up in hospital, I couldn't actually skate after that because it had got so bad that I was fainting every time I got out of bed. So... um, yeah, I did have the halter monitor twice, though. So the second time, once I'd been on some medication, I did a a test at skating. Um, once I'd got back, and we can get back, we can get into that later. But once I'd actually got back into skating, I had another monitor, and I think my heart rate got up to 190 during that test, which I guess anxiety contributed to that because I do get quite worked up when it comes to skating tests. Yeah, sure. Um, so when yeah, you, that was recorded. When you had this this POTS, uh, syndrome and the high heart rate and the fainting. What kind of treatment did you have from your cardiologist? Did he give you some medication to try and slow things down to try and keep you on a on an even keel? Yeah, initially he um, told me to try and build up an exercise tolerance, um, which proved to not work because I had quite a, I guess, a severe case of POTS. There's varying degrees of it. Um, So we decided it wasn't possible for me to build up the exercise tolerance and I did need to rely on medication. So they started me on one medication that actually ended up reacting badly to cold conditions, which (laughs) wasn't great because of my sport. So then I was changed on to another one that I'm still on to this day that has proven to be quite successful in controlling it. So it's essentially under control now. Is it one of these conditions that you can never cure? Do you just have to have to live with it and have medication to control it? Yeah, there is no known cure for it. So it's it's basically learning to manage it. Um, you can it, it can disappear on its own, but there's not really a lot of information um, about it or what causes it to come or go. So yeah, I'm. I'm kind of accepting that I'm going to have it for the rest of my life and um, hopefully not be on medication for the rest of my life because it is quite a heavy one, but it's, yeah, something that I'm trying to accept. And, and learning <laughs> and to live cope with. with. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But but yeah. Uh, we're in 2021 and this is the year of yes. the COVID vaccine and you're taking part yes. in a sport, which means you have to go to a public facility, i.e. an ice rink, and there is all sorts of restrictions on people who are not vaccinated. Now, did you initially think, despite your 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 diagnosis and despite despite your condition, did you initially think that you would get vaccinated anyway, so you could keep on on skating? Yeah, I initially did actually. Um, I didn't know too much about um, the effects of of the vaccine or anything to do with my condition. When I first heard it and I heard that it would be the key to still being able to do everything, I did consider it. Um, But yeah, looking into it a bit further and talking with medical professionals, I decided quite quickly that that wasn't the route that I was going to take. But yeah, I guess the answer to the question was I was initially considering taking it. So you say medical professionals. Does this include your own cardiologist who suggested that it wouldn't be a good idea for you to take the vaccine, knowing even then what possible side effects might be? 
Yeah, it was quite an interesting conversation, actually, because um, I could tell that there was some reservations. Like, he, he ended up uh, calling me on his private uh, phone to discuss it. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it was, yeah, it was from my cardiologist um, that that advised that I shouldn't take it. But there was a very, this was very early on, like right at the beginning. And then when I went to talk to him and my doctor again afterwards, the, the tune had changed quite a bit and there was a lot of, oh, I can't discuss this. So it was, yeah, a bit odd. <laughs> Yeah, so what stage in 2021 are we talking about here? Because that is a year that, you know, the pressure was on, all these ridiculous um, initiatives were being run by the government, the the telethon, the incentives such as the KFC <laughs> vouchers. The, it, it was just absurd some of the things they were handing out to to, to incentivise people to take the vaccine. So what time of the year are we talking about here when you had that discussion with your cardiologist? Can you remember? I actually can't remember the exact time, but I know it was definitely pre those um, unbelievable incentives. Um, there wasn't a huge amount out yet about the the restriction that not having the vaccine would have on you. This was still, there were, there were no incentives at that time. I do remember that, but I couldn't tell you exactly what part of the year it was. I've kind of blocked out quite a bit of this period of time in my head. It's just a blurry, traumatic mess, I think. Yeah, but what you're saying is that there was initially some medical advice that because of your POTS and your heart condition, this vaccine might not be a good idea. You specifically remember having that discussion with a cardiologist who later changed his mind yeah. and the GP later changed the mind as well. Yeah, that's correct. I remember being, like, I asked specific questions about it and said, you know, do you know what would happen if I took it or are there any, like, are there risks that I should worry about? Because I knew that the um, technology in the vaccine at this time did play with your, um, your nervous system, which is what POTS targets. And they said, basically, you're not going to know for five years. Like, I can't answer that question for five years. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to make an informed decision on my body if you can't tell me the answer for five years? But, yeah, they definitely advised it wasn't the best idea. And because they couldn't guarantee what would happen, it was like, I can't actually answer your question. Hmm. Well, I think the answer to the question, as far as you're concerned, is I'm not going to take the risk here, so I'm not going to take uh, the vaccine at this stage until we know some more about it, which is a completely understandable reaction. Mm. But then tell me about yeah. your ice skating experience, because as I said a while ago, you're training with this squad in Auckland. You've had some success overseas. You've got more ambitions to compete overseas, but you're training at a public facility, aren't you? So... Did they say, because you're not vaccinated, you can't come to the ice rink? Yeah, so there was different stages of lockdowns, obviously. But if we're talking um, after the, the traffic light system was introduced, um, we found I, I was speaking to the uh, owners of the rink about the government restrictions because I had found that with the current alert level, which I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was a restriction on the amount of people that could be in the building. Um, if they were unvaccinated. So there was a higher number if you had, if you enforced the vaccine mandates, but if you decided not to, you could have a um, lower number of people in the building and exercise social distancing. Um, so the rink itself didn't 
exactly implement the vaccine mandates fully. They did allow myself and a few other people to hire the ICE privately, and that was still aligning with the government's rules. Um, but unfortunately, the club that I was skating with um, didn't allow for unvaccinated people to enter the rink, even though it was private ice. That was a decision that they made um, at a club level. So this is the, the black ice squad that you were with said, sorry, Melissa, you're not vaccinated, uh, even though you've got a heart condition, which I imagine they must have known about. Uh, they said, sorry, you can't be part of our team anymore. Is that essentially it? Yeah, essentially. I think it was not exactly the, the team itself, but more of the, the club as a whole. Um, I don't really want to throw Black Ice under the bus exactly because they're still, they're still a team and they still have big goals. So, yeah, I, I would say it's more of a club-level thing. But would it be fair to say, though, that you were forced out of the sport in New Zealand because yeah. of your unvaccinated uh, status? Yeah, 100%. That would That would be... Yeah, I was forced out of the sport because of my vaccine status. Even though a cardiologist had said to you it could be risky for you to take it, did you explain this to the the ice skating club? Yeah, I did. I actually um, had multiple conversations about this, um, and I they tried to be understanding. I, I believe that, but they still decided to to exclude myself and, and other people that didn't get the vaccine for various reasons, um, knowing how we felt and the circumstances as to why we didn't take it. Um, obviously, very different ones. But, yeah, myself included, I did explain multiple times that this is advice I got from medical professionals and I was doing this because it is a risk to me and they couldn't tell me what would happen if I took it and it's just not a risk I was going to take. Which is completely understandable, but... Are you saying that the, the ice skating club essentially had no sympathy for your status? Were they so much in fear of having this this woman who, shock horror, is unvaccinated and could spread COVID amongst our ice skaters that they wouldn't have you near them? Is that essentially the attitude they were taking? Yeah, it was, unfortunately. And I, I do remember the word hazard, and it sticks in my head. I remember that it was a, it was a hazardous it was be it would be a hazard for me to be at the rink was what I was told and that word has really stuck with me um, because it 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 made me feel awful honestly it's not something that you want to be told and yeah <laughs> it was awful understandably understandably awful what about the other things in your life were you working in Auckland at the time did you uh, have issues? around the job you were doing or was it just really having a major impact as far as your skating was concerned? Um, my job was actually okay. I was able to work. Um, yeah, I was still able to work with the field that I was in, which was fantastic. I had no job. Uh, sorry, I had no problems with my job. And my, um, yeah, my manager was incredibly supportive and understanding about everything and was ensuring that we were aligning with the restrictions at the time and that I could still work as normal. So, yeah, it was honestly just the sporting side of my life that was crumbling. Did you ever try and get uh, any medical exemption because of the POTS? Did you ever apply to, well, it had to be in the end, the Director General of Health, didn't it, who could offer the exemptions? Did you ever uh, ever go down that route to try and get an official exemption from vaccination? Yeah, I did. Initially, it was a possibility, actually, like right at the beginning, um, and that 
started to be, to go underway, and then yeah, it, it went to the governor, the general, um, and then they were basically like, "No, we can't do anything for you. Good luck." <laughs> so yeah, we, I did try go down that route, but it was very very unsuccessful. I mean, surely even. Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, I know he hasn't seen a patient face-to-face for a very long time, but surely he knows what this condition of yours is, does he not? This POTS and, and, and what the the symptoms are? Surely he, he must have known that, and surely people in the medical profession must have known what the, what the outcome could be if you were... <laughs> if you were given a vaccine, which by late 2021, the Director General himself was even warning um, medical professionals about the possible side effect of uh, myocarditis, which is a heart condition. Yeah, I, exactly. I would assume that he would know. I don't know for sure. Um, but it, it is quite a well-known, well, especially now because of how much there's a lot of cases of POTS as a side effect of the vaccine. Um, so I think now he would definitely know, and I would assume at the time he would know as well. And I would be more than happy to to tell him of what happens to me specifically. So, yeah, it felt like I was being dismissed for sure, and absolutely discriminated against too. Uh, so you've oh yeah you've decided that well, it's not going to happen for me in New Zealand. How did you finish up in the Netherlands then? When did the the ice skating world in the Netherlands, Beckon, and how did you manage to get there and travel there without being vaccinated? <laughs> it sounds like such a crazy story to people in New Zealand, to be honest. Um, I remember um, I was very upset one day and I was speaking to um, the family of my boyfriend at the time. Oh, he's still my boyfriend now. <laughs> so speaking to his family. And we were discussing options of moving overseas because we'd come to the conclusion that life in New Zealand was just not not for us anymore. Um, and we'd had some terrible experiences going out in public and, and trying to get coffees and haircuts, so it just wasn't possible. Um, so we decided that we didn't want to sit in that misery anymore. So I ended up emailing a few teams in, in Europe and... This beautiful team from the Netherlands came back with a request for a um, trial. So I hired some ice, (laughs) some private ice, and sent a trial video through to this coach. And we had a meeting and she said, when can you be here? So, yeah, it was about six weeks after that that my boyfriend and I packed up and moved over the side of the world and haven't looked back. (laughs) Wow. And there was no trouble travelling despite not being vaccinated? None at all. I didn't even have to take a test. There was nothing. So when was this? Early 2022? Just as yeah. the shock horror, the Omicron um, outbreak was enveloping the world, certainly panicking us in New Zealand big time, <laughs> I seem to remember. Yeah, there was a big panic. Um, I remember the date. It was April 5th that we left, 2022. And that was when I think the mandates were dropped is not the right word because I believe there's still still some sort of mandate, but they had allowed more unvaccinated people in public places on that date. So that was ironic. Um, But, yeah, it was definitely panic in New Zealand um, when we booked our tickets and I told some of my um, friends and said that I would be moving overseas. And the question every time was, how are you going to do that? You're not vaccinated. You won't be able to get out of the country. You can't, you can't travel, you, you know, you can't do anything. 
and it's, it just really proved that people didn't actually know what was going on outside of New Zealand because there was absolutely no issue whatsoever. Um, yeah, that was crazy. So you were able to get into the Netherlands really easily. You just got on a plane and a few hops later you rocked into where Amsterdam to Schiphol Airport and there you are. Yeah, no test. And I remember getting off the plane um, in Amsterdam and <laughs> everyone took off their masks straight away. And I was, you know, both of me and my boyfriend were just like, what is going on? Because in New Zealand, masks were a must everywhere, pretty much. Um, and yeah, they just took their masks off, threw them in the bin. And I was like, okay, this is great. <laughs> I'm loving this country already. So we took our masks off and the nice Dutch man at the border control just was like, why are you here? And we said, you know, starting a new life. And off we went. No mask since. Had you been to Holland before? No, I hadn't actually been further than Australia. So this was a massive flight for me. I Yeah, it was a big change, a big change for sure. Yeah, well, the first time I went to Holland, I think, was 1979. So what's that, 40, 44 years ago? And you walk in there uh, as somebody who cannot speak Dutch. And you go down towards the south, which is what <laughs> I did, where you have uh, headed to as well. And yes, yeah. there, there's, particularly amongst the older generation, there is little English spoken, but I, I suppose now <laughs> nearly half a century on, there's a lot more English spoken, particularly amongst the younger generation. Yeah, I actually haven't had a problem with the language barrier at all. Um, in Amsterdam, everyone speaks English, like you actually don't hear much Dutch at all. Um, where I am, there's a lot of Dutch, but yeah, the English, the level of English here is incredible. I've not had a problem at all. So uh, how are you supporting yourself? Uh, I, I presume skating doesn't pay the bills, so you've got yourself a job okay? <laughs> yeah, um, I have got myself a job okay. I am actually working for a medical supply company, which my first question to them was, do I have to be vaccinated? And what their response was a laugh. They said, what do you mean? What do you mean you do need to be vaccinated? We can't enforce a vaccine mandate. And I was like, oh, okay, that's an unusual approach based on what I'd just come from in New Zealand. But yeah, there's obviously no mandate here. And it was a, a funny topic to them because they thought that it was a ridiculous question that I was asking. So they never had a mandate in the Netherlands as far as you're aware? As far as I'm aware, no, because, yeah, I mean, the reaction to that question, I think, suggests that there definitely wasn't because, yeah, they were confused as to why I was asking such an absurd question. Your experience is just... It's just uh, ridiculous, just outrageous, isn't it? Uh, so let's let's hear about the skating then. You've been there since uh, <laughs> April of 2022, so just over a year now, what, 14 months. Uh, have you settled in? Have you achieved in the skating more or the same or less than what you would have achieved in New Zealand? Um, I've achieved every single skating goal that I've ever had in this season. Well, and tell, um, and tell me what yeah. they are. <laughs> um, my goal with my previous team was to to attend European competition, competitions such as uh, French Cup, Mozart Cup. So French Cup is obviously in France. Mozart Cup was in um, Austria. And there was a bunch of other competitions that we, we wanted to attend. And then the big goal being the World Championships, which I attended in April of this year in Lake Placid, USA. Fantastic. So I attended, yeah, every single competition that I wanted to in this season, which was absolutely mind-blowing and makes me emotional to think about. <laughs> and that 
probably would, would not have happened had you stayed in New Zealand. So you, you joined uh, a club in Bosch. Uh, you found a squad of 16. So what is it, all women or is it mixed? Uh, what grade is it at? And how good are you guys? <laughs> um, yeah, so I've joined Team Ice United. They were all women. So last season it was all, all women, but now this season we fortunately have have a male, which is quite exciting. Um, at the World Championships, we came 19th place, which is even crazy for me because I my goal, funnily enough, was to attend the World Championships even if I came last. I and mean, then we didn't come last, so that was incredible in itself. You were 19th um, out of how many? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think there were 22 team, uh, 23 teams competing. I'll have to check that. Sure. Um, yeah. We'll come back to that if you like, because I can check exactly. <laughs> oh, no, how many that's, that's okay. I think it was twenty-two or twenty-three. Yeah, uh, it's probably <laughs> yeah. not not <laughs> totally not. relevant, but the the point is, you were there, you were competing on the world stage, you achieved an ambition, and you, I did. You yeah. thought to yourself, "Wow, this, you know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, this would not have happened probably if I'd stayed in New Zealand." Yeah, and the timeline of it was crazy because. Um, in Black Ice, we always had a, a goal of attending the 2023 World Championships. So it was quite an emotional experience to, to be there and to be with a different team. Like it, it felt quite bittersweet, actually, because, you know, these people I'd been skating with for so long weren't there with me. But I had the most incredible supportive team. And I'm so pleased that I was there with, with the team I was. They've been nothing but supportive and knew everything that happened in New Zealand. So they've yeah, there's a photo actually of me and one of my teammates just hugging and crying at the end of the first program because I was just so emotional. And is the subject of vaccination ever discussed amongst your teammates or in the ice skating world in the Netherlands? Um, no. <laughs> I was brought up at the start because the team um, asked me, like, why did I leave? It was, it's always a weird question because they don't understand why I would leave such a beautiful country to come to the Netherlands, which is just flat, which I think is a gorgeous country, don't get me wrong, over here. It's stunning, but they can't process that, um, New Zealand to the Netherlands. Um, so, yeah, that was the only reason it was brought up. But in terms of a, a general conversation, you don't actually hear it at all over here. The people just don't care. No. What about getting into the States, though? Because... I understand that unvaccinated people were not allowed, unvaccinated non-Americans were not allowed into America until when? The middle of middle of May, late April, somewhere around about there. So when were the World Championships and did you just manage to get past that deadline? Yeah, that actually stressed me out a lot because I hadn't thought about the vaccines up until the, the moment when it was a possibility for us to go or that we were going to America. Um, we went in late April and the those restrictions were still in place. So I actually was able to get a, a vaccine exemption and be let into the country. And fortunately, I actually got COVID um, during French Cup, um, which was in great timing for me to get a proof of recovery certificate and bypass the um, isolation period. So I didn't actually have any problems getting into the country because of those two factors. So there was no trouble getting an exemption to get into the US, even though they still had the rules in place? Yeah, no, there was no problem at all. Well, so what's the future then, uh, Melissa? 
That's such a great question. You coming? Um, you coming home anytime soon? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah, I have no desire to come home to New Zealand. Like maybe to visit friends and family, but not not to live there anytime soon, and certainly not to to skate. Unfortunately, there's quite a, a bitter taste in my mouth after everything that happened. Um, yeah, I'm going to be skating in the Netherlands for quite some time. I think it's everything I could have imagined and more. And just to be with a, a team that there's no fear of of this vaccine issue or discrimination, even in the country as a whole, and people that you talk to was is just something that I would not want to give up. So, do you have a feeling about New Zealand, which is? one of real, what's the word, sourness? Do you feel really angry at the country, at the way you were treated because of government regulations and then what that made your fellow citizens, your colleagues in ice skating do to you? Does that does that make you feel angry? Yeah, it does. It makes me feel really angry and upset. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can hear the uh, the emotion in your voice. So, I mean, have you got any plans at all, even to come back and visit? Because I presume you still have family where in Christchurch are they? So, do you want to come back and see them at some stage? Yeah, I, I do, but I. Sorry. <laughs> I do want to come back and visit, but I just. I'm so upset and angry at the country that I don't feel, I don't feel welcome. Not by my family, like obviously they want me to come back, but when you leave a country on circumstances like that, you don't feel welcome back. And that's, it's a really yuck feeling because New Zealand's been my home my whole life. And the fact that the Netherlands took me in so like with open arms and no judgment and my country just kind of gave up on me as a really, really awful feeling and something that is still really hard to come to terms with. I can understand that. Uh, so you see prospects not just with ice skating but with your job and your boyfriend is still with you, so you have a good steady relationship. Yeah. You see a, a future in the Netherlands together. Yeah, I think we do. the The only thing that's drawing us back is is family and wanting to be with them. But they've been really understanding and and do get why we wouldn't want to come back. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard. I guess it's up in the air. But both my boyfriend and myself really feel rejected from from the country. Um, obviously, family and friends aside, but just as as a government and and the the way that the country was divided, we. We don't want to go back somewhere that we don't feel welcome. Is your boyfriend a skater as well? <laughs> no, he's not a skater. He's a basketball player, um, and he faced a very, very similar situation to myself because um, he also isn't vaccinated and was, wasn't able to play his sport, which was also heartbreaking to watch. So has he picked up uh, the hoops over there? Is he playing a little bit there? Yeah, he is. He's doing really well. Um, he's playing with a local team here in Dumbos, and yeah, he's he's loving it. But he's not loving the outdoor courts because they don't have indoor courts here, and he says he's a bit of a basketball snob. So that's <laughs> that's a battle that he's dealing with. <laughs> hey, he's got to get with the program because that's how that's how the cool kids play in the US. The in the streets uh, and and the hoops in the in the park. That's how you you learn the skills. Uh, so maybe he'll. 
he'll uh, he'll settle in eventually. How's he going work-wise? He got himself a, a, a good job there too? Yeah, he's currently um, looking – well, he's moving jobs at the moment. Um, we had to get a – a job for him pretty quickly because he actually has Dutch um, has a Dutch passport, which is how it was super easy for me to settle over here. Um, so he had to get a job straight away so I could get a residence permit. Um, yeah, so he's currently trying to find a job more suiting to him because we picked up the first one that we could get for him um, when he really first moved. So he's now focusing a bit more on himself and, and his goals. So I'm happy to see that. Very good. And accommodation, housing and that sort of thing has been reasonably straightforward to get? Yeah, we did experience a few scams right at the start. And I think that's just because like we didn't, we were trying to get accommodation while we were still still in New Zealand um, and didn't know what to look out for. So now we're scam experts, but we do have housing over here and we're all settled now. Um, but there's definitely a few road bumps at the start to try to get accommodation. All right. So tell me about your skating ambitions then, Melissa. Sure. Um, so now I've achieved all of the goals that I'd set for myself. So it's now setting new goals, which is really exciting and something I didn't think that I would would be doing. Um, the next goal is the World Championships in Croatia next year, 2024. So hopefully we'll work towards that and, um, yeah, just trying new things within the team and really pushing the boundaries because attending competitions over here, you get to see the the top level teams like Finland, Canada, the I mean the US, it's yeah, the level here is absolutely insane. So it's just trying to push the boundaries of skating and and my limits as well. I've done things that I didn't think I'd be able to do, especially with my pots. Like I I try and pinch myself every day because it just doesn't feel real that I'm doing what I'm doing. And are you okay in terms of your health? Is your condition under control and you're able to get the appropriate medication there? Yeah, everything is under control. It's actually a lot better here. I think because I don't have the anxiety that I had in New Zealand, um, it was it was just awful seeing those um, signs everywhere, like those yellow and white signs. Um, they would set me off into panic every time I saw them because I just thought of them as the discrimination signs. Um, and there's just nothing about it over here. So I think that's really helped with my heart rate because I do need to keep quite calm and mellow all the time to, in order to keep it under control. So I think moving here in terms of my pots was also a really, really good move because I was able to get it under control and I barely have any issues now. It's very rare that I would have um, any fainting episodes or or even notice my pots, to be fair. So, Melissa, do you think this was the way it was meant to be? I know you went through some terrible times in 2021. Uh, the rejection you felt from society, the rejection you felt from your ice skating community, uh, you've taken a gamble. It seems to have turned out pretty well for you. Do you think this was the way it was meant to be after all? I think it was actually. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I would have felt the urge to move overseas because I was really happy and I loved my team um, and there was no no push for me to move because why would I leave something if it was already perfect? Um, so yeah, had that all that not happened, um, I don't think I would have taken the leap. So I'm I'm actually really grateful for this for the situation and for the support that I had of people telling me to try and do something different, you know, like pursue my dreams. I think definitely this is the way it's supposed to work out. Fantastic. Melissa, it's been just wonderful talking with you. I wish you the best 
I think the New Zealand ice skating community, frankly, has uh, has lost a gem with you leaving the country in the circumstances that you left. Uh, it would have been nice to still have you here. I don't think it's ever good for a country to lose a young person to another country, particularly when it sounds as if it's going to be long term. Nevertheless, I wish you well. I'm so happy that you're happy and our very best wishes for your future, whether it be skating, relationships, family, work, life in general in the Netherlands. Lovely talking with you. Thank you so much. That's Melissa Laby here on Reality Check Radio. Melissa Laby, originally from Christchurch, then through Auckland, and now in the Netherlands because of government vaccination policy. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even better, if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so get in touch with us now.